Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Humans of Minnesota, of the Twin Cities, of the world. Um, maybe not necessarily in all that order. How are you? This is me, Ellie Krug, and Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950 KTNF. You know, uh, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I just had to throw that in there because I never say that anymore unless I'm on the air live. How are you all? Happy Monday in September to you. Yes, I know. I know. And we are getting closer and closer to the cold. I know. And I don't, I don't even want to get into it, please. All right. So um, thank you for being back. Uh, thank you for continuing to listen to me. Thank you for picking this up on podcasts. Thank you for letting others know about this show. We've got a great show um, with no necessarily overriding theme this time other than <clears throat> the power of human idealism and the work of idealists. I've got a big interview coming up with a man named Dan McNeil from Peacemaker, Minnesota. Um, I think that you're going to find that he is an idealist of the highest possible caliber. So there you go. I mean, I think you will love his interview. But first, I want to talk about a 20th century photographer. Um, and we are all familiar with the power of just a single photograph. We are. I mean, how that photograph can change our impression or our mind about something or motivate us to do things simply by looking at a photograph. Um, and most recently, of course, uh, the most um, powerful, I think, a photograph of at least uh, 2019 uh, was the photograph <clears throat> of the migrant father and his two-year-old daughter um, who drowned uh, trying to cross the Rio Grande um, in Texas. We, you, I'm, I'm sure most of you right now, you understand what photo I'm talking about. Um, and that showed up in uh, June or July of, <clears throat> of this summer. But, there, you know, but we've also seen other f uh, photographs of migrants um, as well. I mean, of people in cages, uh, of, of, um, of, of course, um, in uh, 2015 or 16, another photograph of, of somebody who drowned, migrant uh, crossing the Mediterranean. These photographs um, capture, they capture a moment and they motivate us in a variety of ways. So in the 1930s, we are going back um, almost 90 years ago, um, a photographer named Dor Dorothea Lang, Dorothea, D-O-R-O-T-H-E-A, Lang, L-A-N-G-E, keenly understood how a single photograph could grab hearts and minds. She could. And you have seen her work even though you may not know her name. Her most famous photograph, ironically titled Migrant Mother, was taken in 1936 at a migrant camp in rural California. Only the migrants in those days were white-colored people escaping from the Dust Bowl conditions of the Midwest, and they were not people of colors other than white. You want to think of John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath for that period of American history. The black and white photograph that I'm describing, uh, titled Migrant Mother, is of a 32-year-old mother named Frances Owen Thompson, living um, who... Um, I will let you actually, let me describe um, how Dorothea Lang came across that woman and about why she took the photograph. So I'm reading something now out of actually Wikipedia. 
And so in 1960, Dora, Dorothea Lange spoke about her experience of taking the photograph titled Migrant Mother. Quote, I saw and approached the hungry and desperate mother as if drawn by a magnet. I do not remember how I explained my presence or my camera to her, but I do remember she asked me no questions. I made five exposures, working closer and closer from the same direction. I did not ask her name or her history. She told me her age, that she was 32. She said that they had been living on frozen vegetables from the surrounding fields and birds that the children killed. She had just sold the tires from her car to buy food. There she sat in that lean-to tent with her children huddled around her and seemed to know that my pictures might help her, and so she helped me. There was sort of an equality about it, unquote. You will know this photograph when you find it, Migrant Mother. It is about a woman um, stated age 32, but certainly looking much older, with several children around her, and she's got one child in her lap, and she has a blank stare, the stare of someone who had lost hope, the stare of someone who had no idea of where they would go next, of how, they would, how she would even put food um, on the table for her children. So that photograph... Um, is one of the most famous photographs in American history. And back in 1936, when the photograph was taken, um, uh, it went worldwide. And as a result, simply of the photograph, as a result, 20,000 pounds of food were quickly delivered to the migrant camp where this woman um, was staying with her children. And obviously the food was delivered to feed people in the camp. Who was Dorothea Lang? Well, she was someone who understood and knew what it meant to survive the human condition. At age seven, she had contracted polio, which left her with a discernible lip, limp for the rest of her life, something that people made fun of and which made her other. At age 12, her father, a lawyer, abandoned the family and this caused such resentment in Dorothea that she relinquished the family name, you know, the name that her mother had taken from the father, and Dorothea then took her mother's maiden name, Lang. But most of all, the thing to know about Dorothea Lang um, is that she thought for herself and that she wanted to affect social change. By her early 20s, uh, she had been running her own business, a portrait studio in San Francisco that catered to the wealthy. So we are like talking like 1920, that she is running her own business and running a portrait studio. Maybe because of her clientele, which was mainly of very wealthy people, uh, she began to form an impression about the world in terms of haves and have-nots. And maybe because of that experience, um, it was that Dorothea Lang began to travel the country with her camera. First, um, it was to go and photograph labor strikes in America. And then, because remember, in uh, the 1930s, the Depression, the Great Depression, was raging. And there were people all over who were 
homeless and jobless, and people who had difficulty feeding themselves, feeding their families, and there were bread kitchens, bread lines all over. And she took, um, she took again another iconic uh, photo um, called um, the White Angel, of a of a man looking out from a from a, a soup line, a soup kitchen line, looking out um, with his back to other men who were in line waiting for their soup. Um, Dorothea Lang had quite the eye. And if you're a photographer and you want to affect social change, um, you need that kind of eye. By 1935, Dorothea Lang was working with the State Emergency Relief Agency, one of the agencies set up during the Depression where she went to migrant camps. And in 1940, she was the first woman to ever have an exhibit at New York's Museum of Modern Art, MoMA. By the way, one of my favorite museums in all the world. And so Dorothea Lang, I mean, so by 1940, she is about 45 years old. Um, and uh, she's got this exhibit at MoMA as a woman, first time. And then shortly after that, she was the first woman to be awarded a Guggenheim Museum Fellowship. So the Guggenheim, another very famous museum in New York, she was given a fellowship, first woman to get that. She gets that in uh, uh, like late 1940, 1941, and she's fellowship. It's very prestigious for her. And then World War II begins. And then Dorothea Lange, our idealist, wanting to change the world, gave up that fellowship, gave up the prestige of a Guggenheim Museum fellowship, took her camera, and went back into the country of America and began to photograph. But only this time she started photographing Japanese Americans at internment camps. And again... Another famous photograph, she's got a photograph of young Japanese-American students. They must have been, I would guess, third, third graders, maybe fourth graders. She has a photograph of them pledging allegiance to the flag in what has to be one of the most ironic photographs of all time. Um, her photographs of the internment camps were so troubling that the government suppressed her photos until after the war. Eventually, Dorothea Lange would found, found a photo magazine, and then later she would take photographs for Life magazine. She would say, go on to say, quote, the camera is an instrument that teaches people how to see without a camera. Dorothea Lange died in 1965 of cancer. She was 70 years old at that time. Please go find her photographs. If you go to the Museum of Modern Art, if you just click that and, and ask for and click uh, a sub uh, search for Dorothea Lang, you'll come up with a bunch of photographs. All you have to do is is Google the photograph um, "migrant mother" and you will you will see you will see her famous famous photograph that I've spoken about. And so, Dorothea Lang, idealist, using her camera to affect social change. Okay, if you like what you hear on this, um, please visit my website at elliekrug.com. Um, please email me at elliejkrug. I love hearing from my listeners. Follow me on Twitter. The handle is at elliekrug. And I'll be back in a minute with the big interview, Dan McNeil. Thanks. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works 
LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Better Futures Minnesota impacts the community by addressing root causes of poverty, homelessness, dependency on public assistance, and high rates of untreated trauma that often lead to incarceration. The lives of men served have been marked by chaos, violence, and loss, which contribute to feelings of devaluation, rage, and lost human potential. Healings from this trauma is essential before participants can succeed as workers, fathers, and responsible community members. Learn how you can support our efforts at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. And we're back on AM 950 Ellie Krug here. Uh, Dorothea Lang, do me a favor. As I had said last, um, go and um, check her out on the internet. You'll, if you go to the, uh, uh, you'll find somewhere a, muse- a, a MoMA, a Museum of Modern Art page where 40 of her photographs will show up. And uh, please study them. Uh, she was uh, quite the idealist. And now for the big interview, we've got another idealist. We have another quite big idealist. I have Dan McNeil here with me from Peacemaker, Minnesota. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, Ellie. Welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio. And uh, before we get started, I need to do a shout out to a regular listener named Sharon, because Sharon was the one who emailed me and uh, told me about Peacemaker Minnesota and said, Ellie, you got to get them on your show because they're doing incredibly important idealistic work about changing the world. So Sharon, if you are listening, thank you. And other listeners, by all means, do what Sharon did. And by all means, send me leads or tips on uh, potential guests, on idealists that you know that are doing incredibly important work about changing the world. So Dan McNeil, um, you are the executive director of Peacemaker Minnesota. Can you tell us a little bit about what what is Peacemaker Minnesota? What does it do? Sure. Peacemaker Minnesota, our mission is to help schools stop violence, uh, create a safe place for kids, free from bullying and harassment, and to teach kids positive relational skills like empathy, kindness, respect, cooperation, how to resolve conflicts peacefully. Uh, we do this not in a traditional way, uh, in a sense that we um, primarily what we do is we provide funding for schools. Uh, to help them buy curriculum, bring in trainers, uh, help at-risk kids, bring in speakers, um, what they need to do. Uh, we also do this by paying um, and supporting uh, paying individuals with developmental disabilities to lead workshops, uh, training sessions in fourth-grade classrooms about kindness, about including others, about uh, using people-first language. In other words, um, you know, I'm not somebody... Uh, who is schizophrenic? I'm, I'm somebody with schizophrenia. I'm not, I'm not autistic. I'm a person with autism. You're not so, disabled. You're a person with disability. Exactly. Yep. Person first language. So 
Um, and then encouraging kids to be advocates for oneself and others. In other words, to be an upstander, not a bystander. Okay. Well, you just said a mouthful, of course, but I, the one thing I want to latch on to is the fact that you're, you're, you're working with kids is at, in fourth grade, which is, of course, when we need to grab them. I mean, you know, this is a time uh, in student development where they're forming their groups and where they're um, giving in to group pressure in a variety of ways, one way or the other. Of course, they start doing it from when they start school, but you want to grab them before they're in, uh, in uh, middle school, I would guess. Right? Yep. The earlier you can start, the better. Um, and it's learned behavior, um, and it's something that people can learn how to relate to each other positively. So um, trying to reinforce those type of values, attitudes, and skills, uh, the earlier the better. But there's a story here behind Peacemaker Minnesota. This is a, this is a, a work in progress, right? I mean, you, you, you started this, uh, what, almost uh, 20 years ago on a kitchen cable, you know, kitchen, yeah. Yeah, more than a kitchen table, right? right. Yeah, 1998. So, all right, tell us about that. Um, and why? <laughs> well, why it can be a sort of a long story, but um, there's really three factors that came together in my life as far as the why. Um, one, a long time ago when I was in college, I um, did a Ute through the University of Minnesota. I did a study abroad program and uh, had to do an independent research paper. And I ended up picking a topic on peacemaking and ended up going to a um, sort of a place of pilgrimage and uh, I don't know if you'd say it was a religious experience, but it really be, it touched with my religious values of uh, that we're we're meant to live in peace with one another. Uh, we're all connected to one another. Where uh, was where was this? Uh, I was in Yugoslavia. Okay. Uh, uh, at the time, so I spent basically the summer in Yugoslavia, uh, in this place called Medjugorje. Um, it was a yep. place for uh, a lot of Catholics go to um, uh, on pilgrimage. So yeah, and the Virgin the Virgin Mary um, cited there. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, the real the background, farther background story. Um, so I went there, thinking originally I was going to write a, a paper on is this real or not. And as I as I got there, I was like, oh, I I don't know. I have no idea. I can barely speak the language. How am I supposed to figure this out? So I mentioned it to this priest uh, my predicament that I have to write this like a hundred page paper. And uh, he says, uh, I'll, I'll meet you after mass and and we'll talk. While you're in Yugoslavia. Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. Go ahead. And so then. Uh, we did, and, and uh, he says, you know what you really got to do is write about the message here. The message is peace, mm. and, and what is peace, and, and write about that. Mm. And so I did. I spent the whole summer uh, interviewing people about what is peace and how does this message here uh, relate to you, and I, I met some really interesting people. Um, it, was, it was just a fascinating experience. Like somebody also was there, not th specifically in that city, but I met in Yugoslavia that had an autobiography of Gandhi, and I read that for as fast as I could in five days, and, and uh, uh, it was just a fascinating experience. So, yeah, that, that oriented my life. It just sort of renewed my faith of this makes sense. Sounds but, like an awakening. It was an awakening. It definitely was. Uh, it definitely was. Um, to me, it, ma it just made sense to me that we're supposed to live in connection. What is peace? Peace is it's life lived in love, and, and <laughs> so let's let's— Let's live in love, and let's let's have that peace. And so that's that's what I thought was the most important thing. And so, so that was my college experience. So after college, I did a, a still inspired by that. wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I did a internship at the Martin Luther King Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and that was one that, of my heroes. Absolutely, uh, uh, inspiring. Absolutely inspiring, but fascinating for me to be there. You know, if you know the center, uh, that's where Martin Luther King Jr. is, is buried. And so you're walking by his, his tomb every day, going to work, thinking, okay, what, what am I going to give for peace? What, what am I going to do? Right. And uh, so I was really fortunate to have that experience. And um, 
And then from there, um, I'd, I'd studied Russian in college and was looking for a job and, and uh, wasn't finding any, but um, I tried to go to Russia, tried with Carlson companies, tried with Cargill, other companies that were just going over to um, Russia. The Soviet Union had just broken up, and I didn't find any fourth-paying jobs, but um, um, I'd applied uh, to Catholic Relief Services that had an office over there, and they said, no, we don't take you. We, we need people with more foreign experience, higher education. But here's a list of places you can get some experience overseas. For places looking uh, for organizations sending people to Russia, only one uh, organization said, we'll send you anywhere in the world where there's Franciscans. So uh, they, I contacted and they said, what do you think of going to Siberia? And I said, go to Siberia. <laughs> so um, they just had a request for, from the bishop in Novosibirsk, Siberia, uh, for the Franciscans to run their Catholic Charities organization. So that's where I ended up working for three years, living with Franciscans. And, in Siberia. In Siberia, yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I mean, just let me just stop you here briefly. Yeah. We're going to have to take a break in a second. But, Dan, you, what a journey. What a journey for an idealist. To, uh, yeah, it's to 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 learn, um, and I mean, part of this is about living in different places. And I mean, did you uh, did you come to find that we're all the same in one way or another? I um, the the cultural experiences was fascinating. Um, when a, sh- uh, a priest from uh, Chicago came to live with us, because otherwise I was living with a German, an Italian, an Irishman. Uh, but it was like when this guy from Chicago came, was a Polish American. Uh, this is while you're in Siberia. In Siberia, yep. it was like wow, we had a real connection, and it was just it was so interesting that I'd never noticed it. And then I also noticed other people that after towards the end of my three years in Siberia that had felt more connected to the Russians than some of these Americans that I was seeing and coming over and doing business and just the the sort of the value, the perspective on on life. Uh, it was fascinating. Yeah, and as as at a real point of privilege uh, at that time. They they had separate waiting rooms in the ho- in the in the airports for for foreigners. Keep going. Yep. Um, so, uh, you, as a foreigner, um, as an American, as, as in a place of real privilege. Uh, there were other times I'd be waiting. You go to some government office and they'd move you up to the front of the line. It was amazing to me, and and I saw some some racism or um, I guess you call it racism. And there's there's that's the first time as a young kid growing up in Corcoran, Minnesota, didn't have a lot of wide world experiences, but there was some real anti-Semitic uh, um, attitudes that I ran into, and that was, uh, it was it was just amazing to me. There's a whole lot you could say about the different cross-cultural experience there for those three years. All right. Well, listen, we've got to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk more about Peacemaker Minnesota, but by the way, you're a good storyteller, and I want to hear more about your story, okay? Because we are a society of storytellers and story listeners, and that's that literally is how we teach ourselves about what's right in the world. All right, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. When uh, we come back, we'll talk more with Dan McNeil, the Executive Director of Peacemaker Minnesota. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I just got an email from a listener today, so there you go. We'll be back in a minute. And then I think about my This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. 
I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Branding electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. I'm Dr. Thomas Adams, President and CEO of Better Futures Minnesota. We're a social enterprise dedicated to rebuilding lives through housing, workforce development, health and family engagement, and coaching supports that give men the skills and relationships they need to succeed. Better Futures Minnesota engages men who had a history of incarceration, homelessness, poverty, untreated mental and physical health challenges to help them achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. Visit us at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn how you can support our enterprise. And we're back on AM 950 Ellie Krug. Um... With LE 2.0 Radio, uh, we've been speaking with Dan McNeil, who is the executive director of Peacemaker Minnesota, which is working to uh, reduce, hopefully eliminate, uh, violence in the schools. And Dan, before we took our break, um, you were sharing this really, what I thought, an incredible story about awakening as, a, as an idealist. And you had us in uh, Siberia, where, where you were living with Franciscans. And then eventually you came back to the U.S., is that yep. right? Yeah. And that was by way of Catholic Charities? I was working at Catholic Charities over in, in Siberia. And then when I came back here in Minneapolis, I got a job with Catholic Charities here. Okay. Yep. And I was raising uh, uh, grants from companies and foundations, doing fundraising. Yep. And it's really there. Which is an art form. <laughs> uh, it, it takes a little little bit of practice, yeah. But um, but it was there that I learned about foundations, and I learned that for $10,000 you could start a donor-advised fund with the Minneapolis Foundation, Community Foundation, uh, other groups. And I thought, if that's all it takes, uh, why don't why don't we start a, a fund of our own? Okay, and, well, you know, that's a big phrase right there. Well, well, if that's all it takes, we'll just do it. But not most people would do it. But go ahead. Well, and uh, you start on it. You, I mean, literally, you're, you start on a kitchen table, this, found, this Peacemaker Minnesota. Do I have that right? Well— I really trace our roots back to this bar in northeast Minneapolis, uh, <laughs> okay. uh, Gabby's. Uh, okay. and I was there with my good friends from high school, Mike Gillies and Pat Dewar. And we're talking, we both were, all three of us were single, not married, had jobs, um, same faith background, and said, you know what, what are we going to do? We can't just keep our money. We can't, um, uh, we, we got to do something uh, to the degree that we're able. So I said, why don't we put something back in? Again, from my experience with the Franciscans, St. Francis, you might know, emphasized poverty and I was living back here, and I wasn't living in what would be considered poverty. Um, so I thought I'm going to give back 10%. And so I thought, okay, I'll save up two years and come up with about $5,000, and can they put in some money? And then my aunt, who was over for, I think, Thanksgiving, heard about it. My parents heard about it. And so anyways, together, the five households, we came up with $8,000. So we didn't make the 10000 mark, but we came up with 8000 And it was from that earlier experience in Yugoslavia that I knew I wanted to do something on peacemaking and and stopping violence. So actually, we started out providing scholarships to college kids to the exact same program that I did to the University of Minnesota to do research papers on peacemaking. Okay. But we didn't get the reports back that we wanted. We got some really good ones, but some others weren't that good. Like me, changed their topics and and went in a different direction. And so so somehow or another, we thought of, what can we do? And we made one grant of $400 to a school. 
And they helped. They had an outreach program to parents to help. It was like a parenting class, peaceful parenting class. And they wrote a, a real nice, kind thank you letter back. And we said, hey, let's let's keep doing this. And so we've we've um, I don't know if it's one point two, one point three million dollars that we've paid out to schools since then. Um, our endowment. That's a that's a lot of money. Uh, well, it, it yeah, it's added up. Um, and then our endowment fund that we started out with just eight thousand dollars. That's now worth. I think about four hundred thousand. So it's wow. We've we've but we've been around for over twenty five years. I but know that's the time. But that's, that's a, a significant endowment for a very small nonprofit like yours. Right for for that's a group that's been mostly volunteer um, throughout its existence. Yeah. Okay, and so um, and 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 then uh, you told me off the air that it 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 took you eighteen years before you could go full time non as the executive director of Peacemaker Minnesota. Yeah, right? just a little bit longer than that. I was at this other job uh, eighteen years, and and uh, yeah, it took about it roughly eighteen years. So two thousand and um, seven, I went part time. So from nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and seven, I was just doing it all volunteer with other volunteers. A lot of great people helping this out. It's there's a lot of people. We right. just had an accountant, volunteer accountant in the office this morning. Yesterday we had a, an administrative assistant was in the office. So we've got a lot of people putting in a lot of time. But but then in two thousand and seven, I went part time, and then from two thousand and seven until last year, uh, April second of two thousand eighteen. Uh, that's when I went full time. So it took that long before I could grow out and, and do enough to sustain a family. Okay. Um, or my part of the family. Yeah. All right. Uh, so so um, are you married? Do you have yeah, kids? Yeah, married, three kids. Um, <laughs> okay. Yep. It's, okay. It's uh, it's a challenge to fit this in to have that right balance, and um, I'm lucky uh, to be married to who I am. That uh, right. Amy's real supportive, and and um, so it's and I'm glad that the kids kids. Get to see what what I'm doing, and and they've helped. They've helped with different mailings, and um, they've they've helped in a lot of ways too. Okay, so so I'm hearing a lot about persistence, um, and 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 having a dream, and yeah. and saying, and then I'm also hearing from you a lot about the value of, of peacemaking. Yeah, um, well, the values, yeah, the two the two main values that drive us is one is that peace is worth our commitment. It's worth to me. It's worth working for. It's worth um, giving of yourself. Um, it's worth our commitment. Um, the other one is that mm. people in relationships matter. Um, there's, to me, violence is a tragedy that's that's man-made. Uh, it doesn't have to happen, uh, and it matters that we, we all matter. And um, <laughs> it, it's 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 a tragedy of people with people getting hurt, whether they're getting hurt in some uh, ditch in a war someplace, or they're getting hurt in their own homes or their own yeah. schools. Um, or on the school bus because somebody has said something to them right? And made, or made fun of them with yeah. other people. Or left yeah. them out, excluded them, said they're not yeah. worth anything. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that matters. I mean, people matter and they got to, they, I recognize that and it bothers me when, when other people don't. And you're seeing results from your work. I mean, Peacemaker Minnesota, you've got some, you've got, uh, by the way, before we, we go any further, if people want to find out about Peacemaker Minnesota, where should they go? Tell them about your website. Yeah. And, Website, peacemakermn.org, and the Facebook page is uh, the same. And do you have an annual fundraiser in case people well, are interested? If they're really interested, one, right now the best thing that they can do is we have this, what we call our candlelighter campaign, where we encourage people to donate $10 or more and then find five other people to donate $10 or more. Our goal is to have enough people donating, 24 people donating every day from November 1st through this year it's November 15th, I believe, 14th maybe, give to the max day. Um, last year we had 285 people donate, and to me that's it's inspiring to see, you know, what if we had 280, what if we had five, 500, 5,000 people all saying, 
I'm going to put in $10 because violence prevention education is important to me. Right. And so that's one way to contact me if you want to be a, a candlelighter uh, team leader. Encourage five other people to donate 10 bucks. Do you want to give easy. them your uh, your email of people? Sure. D. McNeil. So D for Dan and the McNeil, M-C-N-E-I-L, at peacemakermn.org. A lot of people like to put an S in their name. Uh, we're just peacemakermn.org, but um, okay. that's how you find us. And you've got here with you some um, some real tangible results of your work, right? You've brought yep. you've brought some uh, some writings from some students. Is yep. that right? Yeah, we've got one from Charlie, one from Nolan. Um, and tell us, give us the background. These are schools that you went in to train, or you were you teach taught the tra- uh, teachers how to to um, nope. uh, prevent bullying. Neither neither of those, but this is from a school. So one thing that we do is we provide funding for schools to uh, evaluate bullying at their schools to implement a survey. So the school implements okay, so the survey. so you need to have data first, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's the survey so that schools understand that because there are probably schools out there that say, well, we don't have a problem. Oh, there are. <laughs> there are. Uh, more, than you'd, more than you'd like to know. Right. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of data. Actually, this, on a, on a, specifically on the data side, on Sunday before the Twins game, uh, we're recognizing three schools that achieved ex- exemplary results on these student surveys. Some that improved on their indicators from last year on nine out of ten indicators. Uh, one school is doing better on ten out of ten indicators compared to national benchmarks. Indicators of how to fix the bullying or to prevent it. Uh, indicators of of how many kids say that they're being bullied at the okay. school. Uh, how many say they have one or no friends? How many say that the uh, teachers? Don't try to stop bullying. So these are reducing um, those numbers. Yeah, some are trying yeah. to reduce, some are trying to increase. But yeah, making positive right. numbers. Yep. Yep. Okay. Right. So, okay. So we've got, and we pay this improved group, an evaluation company that, that looks at the information, uh, adds it all up, tracks it per individual school, and then gives us a, the group report for all of our, all of our schools. Um, so last year, I want to say it was like 50, 54 students less in all of our schools together reported being bullied compared to the year before. So, so we have hard numbers. Uh, but then we also have like testimonials from this other school that we've helped through the survey. We also provide matching funds for them where they've raised some money and then we provide it back to them so they could bring in other speakers, other training. They just did yep. a training the other week on uh, mindfulness for their staff so that they're more mindful and more calm and more peaceful. Uh, I did do a training at that school as well. Uh, but but here's a, here's a st- – should I read it? Yep. And what uh, what grade are we talking about? You know, this what they didn't say, but it's uh, – I'm guessing by the looks of it, I'm, I'm thinking uh, – Fourth, fifth, third grader, maybe. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, se- maybe even second. But go ahead, read second. what read what this student has said yep. about your work. Dear peacemakers, thank you for donating money to our school. Our super friends meetings help us to be kind to each other. We have learned how to help kids who are being bullied. We're able to stand up for each other, Charlie. And then you've got another one. Another one from Nolan. Uh, dear peacemakers, thank you for donating money to our school. When we learn more about super friends, we can be them too. We can stand up for people who are being bullied and become friends. We can help people when they are hurt or include people who are feeling left out. Sincerely, Nolan. So kids, there's, you can see it in numbers. You can see it in, in personal lives that, that kids can learn. And, and how does this make you feel? Somebody uh, who has dedicate, dedicated his life to peacemaking. Well, it, it, I feel great. When I got this, she's the, the person at, the, at uh, the school sent me a whole packet of these things. I said, it's the best thing I ever got. Um, it was, it's fantastic. That's what I want to be known for. I mean, not known for, but that's who I want to be. And I'm glad that I have this opportunity and, and real grateful. We have over 600 donors and, and uh, a lot of people care about this work. And I'm glad to be uh, a, a part of it and an instrument to help make it happen. And real grateful. 
Well, all right. So <clears throat> we've got a couple minutes left. We've got listeners out there right now that are wondering, okay, um, how, do they, how do they get awakened? How does their idealism get triggered? What, do, what, what would you say to them? Well, as far as how to be awakened, from my point of view, my experience has been, one, put yourself out in a different spot. Uh, you know, I went all the way over to Yugoslavia, and then be open to different things. I mean, be open to what, what the opportunity that comes, comes in front of you, um, as far as how to be awakened, as far as how to um, yeah, be, just be open to it and put yourself in different spots. And you don't have to have a special college education. You don't have to have any um, special pedigree to go and do good in the world. I mean, you're, you're sitting in a bar with your, with your high school buds and saying, we're going to go do some good, right. right? Absolutely. And it just takes the internal desire to change the world, right? It does. I, I think of what's um, one sort of mantra, management mantra I have of myself is, uh, what makes you successful is know what you want to do and get your ass up in the morning and do it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's that simple. It is. You know what you want to do and then, then do it. Don't say somebody else should be doing this, somebody else should be doing that, talking about it. Just do your part. And the other thing that I think is for me that's really important for me is that every day I want to do something. I mean, you've, you know, weekends I try to do something related to this in some way. Um, so do something every day. It doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be, you don't have to change the world all in one day, but if you do it every day, a little bit every day, it's, you're going you're gonna to make progress and you'll make things happen. It adds up. It does. It does. Yep. Well, uh, Dan McNeil, I've just got to tell you, you have inspired me. <laughs> this is well. actually why I have this radio. I'm very selfish in this respect because I'm an idealist, but I need to get refueled. And then I bring in idealists and they tell me these way more incredible stories than I have. And, and then what I'm like, oh, oh, if, <laughs> yeah, I can keep going, you know? And I just want you to know that I really respect you. And I'm, well, I'm, I respect you too. I mean, you're doing a fantastic job. You're bringing people together, um, highlighting the good that can be done. Uh, you're a connector. Um, no, I, I, same here. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you for that. And so, folks, uh, make sure that you check out Peacemaker Minnesota. Again, Dan, give us their e- email the address. Or the email address. Or the, web, the website web, address. Website, www.peacemakermn.org. Okay, great. And Dan McNeil, thanks for being on LE 2.0 Radio. I've really loved having you. Uh, same here. Thanks. Thank you, Ellie. All right, listeners, when we come back, we'll do my C block um, where I'll talk about some talks I'm going to give publicly. Thanks. At Better Futures Minnesota, our purpose is to fuel and guide our men's desire to turn their lives around and walk a new path toward better health and success. We are intent on changing the costly systems and practices that produce poor results and perpetuate the chaos and cycles of dependency experienced by men who have faced incarceration. We are building a movement that supports personal transformation and a healthy, vibrant community of men. Visit us at betterfuturesminnesota.com to learn how you can support our movement. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works 
LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Back on AM 950, I'm sorry, that was a little bit of a longer um, uh, music intro, and that's because it's The Cure, and I just love that song so very much. I Just Like Heaven is the title of the song, and so, I'm sorry, just had to do that. If you were watching me on Facebook Live, you saw me seat dancing. Okay, Dan McNeil. Um, I told uh, my producer, Brett Johnson, that you, that, that, that uh, interview will air multiple times on this station, and it will because I don't know about you, but what a great storyteller. And I, I've got to just tell you, I don't know about you, but I mean, I was so inspired hearing about this man awakening, awakening to the value of, of making peace in the world. I mean, and I loved his definition of peace. Peace is a life lived in love. Oh, Dan McNeil. We need, we need so many more of you in this world, please. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for the work with a Minnesota Peacemaker. Please go check out their website. Um, all right. So this is C-Block. I talk about my work. Um, and really what I'm going to talk about are a couple of things that are coming up. So many of you know, and I've talked about this briefly on other, on other shows, you know, I speak and train about human inclusivity, but it's usually to a closed loop. I mean, yes, I've had a couple of public trainings about gray area thinking, human inclusivity, and some of you have come as listeners. Thank you so very much for that. But the vast majority of what I do is I get hired by a company or an organization or one of the one of the governments uh, to come in and train their team members, and it's usually not open uh, to the public. And so, you know, there you go, okay? Um so, uh, but we've got two things coming up where you can have an opportunity to listen to me if you want to. And by all means, I'm just always humbled when people even, you know, have an inconvenience of travel or whatever to come and listen to me. So, you know, please take that into account. I will understand if you can't do that. Okay. But, but we've got a couple of things coming on. Now, you may remember several, 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 several weeks ago, um, maybe two or three months ago, I had John Anderson from Grace Lutheran Church up in Andover. He came down and talked about the Forgiveness Project. Well, as it turns out, John Anderson and I have continued to communicate with each other. He happens to be this man, talk about an idealist, he happens to be another man who believes in the goodness of humans and working to change uh, the world in a positive way multiple times. So he's a member of Grace Lutheran Church in Andover, Minnesota, uh, because he came and spoke at my um, interviewed with me. Um, I'm like, okay, one good deed begets another good deed. I volunteered to go speak and give a gray area thinking human inclusivity training at Grace Lutheran Church, and I am going to do that. They did invite me to come, and that is going to happen on Sunday, October 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the, at the church at Grace 
uh, Lutheran Church in Andover. Uh, just Google that and, and you can get the address. The time again is October 6th. The date is October 6th. The time is from 6 to 8. I will be doing gray area thinking. And if you've ever wanted to go through that training, ever wanted to understand what is this thing that Ellie keeps talking about, and by the way, that people keep raving about, here is your opportunity. There's no charge for it. It's open to the public. And so uh, please come. I think that they may want to have a headcount. And so um, you can go to their website at graceandover.org and uh, you can figure out whether you've got to sign up for it or not. So that's coming up. And then secondly, okay, here's your second opportunity if you want to hear from me. Um, hear me public. And this is an opportunity to actually meet with me, uh, talk with me. Um, I'm having an open house. I am. I'm going to go and do that. And so that's going to happen on Thursday, October 17th from 5 to 8 p.m. in downtown Minneapolis on Portland Avenue. Um, and I will speak about my work, what it, what it is that I'm doing, because a lot of times, I mean, whenever I'm training, I never get to ever talk about my work and about what I'm trying to accomplish as an idealist in this world or what small things I've accomplished so far. Um, and so I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to talk about my nonprofit because I have a nonprofit. Uh, the name of the nonprofit is Human Ripple Works Inc. Uh, that nonprofit uh, assists with um, training in Greater Minnesota on human inclusivity, um, actually in Greater Midwest. So I want to talk a little bit about that work. The board members from the nonprofit are going to be there. In fact, one of those board members is going to be serving um, some wine uh, because he is the owner of a winery. Um, uh, the St. Croix uh, Vineyard. Um, and so my friend Paul Quast will be there as the bartender serving wine. So, uh, of course, you need to be 21 um, in order to do that. So, um, so at any rate, um, please come, okay? Um, and that, again, is Thursday, October 17th at from 5 to 8 p.m. I'll be giving remarks at 6 o'clock that evening I would love to see you there. I would love to have you come. Now, you, that one you've got to register for because we need to have a head count. And how do you register? You're going to go to my website at elliekrug.com. You're going to see on the website right away, uh, there's a, a sub page. It's, it's right there. You're going to see it. It's uh, The page is Upcoming Engagements. Just click on that page, then scroll down to October 17th because I have all of my engagements listed on that page. And on the October 17th date, there's a link for you to click on to register. It costs nothing, but I got to get you registered because I got to know what my headcount is and I actually need to know who's coming. So so please, um, you've got two opportunities now um, to, to meet with me, to, to hear my work or to talk with me specifically. Uh, one on uh, October 6th at Grace, um, at Grace uh, uh, Lutheran Church in Andover and the other on October 17th at my open house uh, in Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis on Portland Avenue. So there you go. And hey, what do you know? Okay. And so um, I don't know. I think we've had a good show. I, I get recharged every time I do this because it's about just... It's just about trying to change the world. Sorry, um, that's me, the idealist speaking. I need to do a big thanks because I've got sponsors that help me do that. One is Brending Electrolysis out in St. Paul. Let Bev know that I sent you. She does really great work. And our other sponsor is Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. Um, please, we could use more sponsors. Trust me on that. I need to give a big thanks to Brett Johnson because Brett is just so incredibly wonderful as my producer. And then to you, my listeners, I want to give a thanks. 
I hear from you frequently. I'm, I'm actually here from you all over the country, hearing my pod, listening to my podcast. Thank you. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for talking about me. Um, and um, follow me on Twitter, please, at Ellie Krug. I'll be back next week with another, hopefully, good show. Take care. Be well. <laughs>